Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Affirmative Murder is brought to you by Bright Sellers. Bright Sellers is the wine subscription service that helps you find wines you love while making wine more accessible to everyone. By taking their 30-second quiz, Bright Sellers will pair you with six unique and personalized wines that are delivered right to your doorstep. Okay? And I can personally uh, vouch for the fact that they will test your boundaries. Okay? I am on record as saying, I don't really like Sangiovese. I'm not really a dry wine kind of guy, but they sent over a box of wine. It had a bottle of Sangiovese in it. I opened it and, um, my mind, my mind has changed. Honestly, uh, it, you know, it, it is, I think it's a very specific type of wine. Either you like it or you don't, but the idea is that they will push your boundaries and really introduce you to some wines that you might've thought previously that you wouldn't enjoy. And for Affirmative Murder listeners only, we are giving you 50% off your first order from Bright Sellers, okay? By going to brightsellers.com slash AMP50. That's brightsellers, C-E-L-L-A-R-S dot com slash AMP50. You can take their seven-question quiz to get your wine matches and receive 50% off your first six-bottle order. Bright Sellers, discover wine you love. All right, guys, enjoy the show. You are now listening to the hottest true crime podcast in the streets. Yes, yes, yes. Hello and welcome to another episode of Affirmative Murder, the Equal Opportunity True Crime Comedy Podcast. I'm Alvin Williams, joined as always by my partner in true crime, Francel Evans. Oh yes, wait a minute, Mr. Postman. Yeah, man, I'm the mailman, can't you tell, man? Gonna post on What up? What's going on, friend? How you doing, man? I'm doing pretty good, man. I got my Reese's right here. Yes. Cuz? Yes. I'm good, man. You're always good. Uh, the best day of Halloween is the day after Halloween. Yeah. Candy's crazy on sale, similar to Valentine's Day, but it's better candy available the day after Halloween. Yeah. yeah. So it's in the, we have we have literal pounds and pounds of candy left out. Twizzlers, yeah. Reese's Cups, yep. Milky Ways will probably just go back because they're terrible candy. But um, like Milky Ways? They're okay. Oh, it's like okay. it's like a halfway candy. It's missing one other thing. Yeah, true. It's it's true. like they didn't finish making a Snickers bar. They didn't finish making this. Milky Way. Yeah. Not a fan. But we do have Reese's in abundance. Life yes. is good. Um, Halloween was fun. Did you... Uh, how was your Corona 2020 Halloween? What did you do? Stay in the house? What did you, what did you yeah. do? Yeah. I came home. Um, did the kids dress the kids, up? The or? kids... No. The kids uh, did some crafts. Okay. Um, Made it interesting. Some of her cousins some came over. Yeah. Okay. Candy. Made little candy bags. Okay. Little flashlights. That, like, you know, the shoot stuff on the wall. Something. Like symbols. Stuff. 
watch a movie, yeah, maybe, maybe for Christmas, yeah. eat some pizza. It was cool. It that's, was cool. Yeah, that's we, the way to do it. We need to go outside, stay at the house. It's yeah, it's, it's, it was, yeah, it's better than nothing happening. Yeah. I was surprised I, to see people outside actually trick-or-treating. Oh, people went out and did all kind of shit, man. Yeah. We went to a outdoor mask party. Yeah. Right? So, the, you know, masks were required on the thing, and um, we pull up to a swanky, uh, eyes wide shut type, man. I mean, it was, it was a really... I don't get, like, blown away by, like, big houses that often. Mm-hmm. Um, but this house was crazy. Glass, everything. It really? was a really beautiful house. And then you drive around the back, and the guy who owns who owns the house is really in the Halloween. Mm-hmm. So he has all these fixtures of ghosts and like stuff in the windows. Went all out, huh? Oh, he went all out. He had big, he had tents with masked catering staff. Wow. Uh, you know, um, open bar, uh, all kind of charcuterie plates and shrimp and grits on spoons and 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 slider burgers and it was it was crazy. It was a really fun night. Now it was cold. Yeah. Yeah. So the food was got cold at a point. Yeah. It's still super good. If I was, if I was not so aware of how low class it looked, especially for us being like just average Joe people there, yeah. I would have took a doggy back home. Yeah. But they're probably they they probably just threw that food out. Oh, for sure. <laughs> but I w- I was like, damn, this food would be so good to take home and throw in the microwave yeah. tomorrow. Yeah. But you can't leave somebody a house that nice with food. Oh, you can't do. They look at they look at you bad. Yeah. They're like, oh. They, they need it. Are you a peasant stuff? Yeah, that kind of stuff. And maybe that's just my own insecurities, but yeah. I was like, you can't ask like, hey, do you guys have some aluminum foil and some yeah. paper plates? Maybe we take some stuff to go or, you know. They didn't, they didn't like offer that? No, they, nobody left that place. With, but hmm. everybody there, it, was, it wasn't exactly a party. I'll say this. Okay. Um, there was no music and everybody was talking about work. So it was more like hmm. a work event. Yeah. But yeah. it wasn't a work event. It just was a bunch of rich white people eating, you know, uh, uh, cream of crab soup bowls and yeah. talking about the stock market, right? Mm. And then it's me and Sierra there being like, oh my God, like, look at the fucking backsplash in the kitchen. Yeah, it's yeah. like, this house is beautiful. And nobody else at the house gave a shit about it. Because the- they had the same thing. Yeah, exactly. The, the kids were like, can we go home? Like, I don't want any more uh, unlimited cookies. Yeah. Like, the kids were unentertained. There's like, Really? Uh, monsters there, dr- entertaining. Dressed like, up? Yeah. Some people like, would have had a ball. Oh, these kids were like, can we go home? Oh my I'm goodness. bored. Yeah. I didn't get to bring my Nintendo Switch, and I don't want to be here. And I'm an adult. Yeah. <laughs> pushing 30. I'm like, this is great. This is, awesome. this is amazing. They I had, had a great time. They had an alcoholic beverage in a, a witch's cauldron called Witch's Brew. I was like, that's so fun. Wow. Like, it's all themed. It's different, man. And nobody was impressed. Nobody cared. They were just like, man, on Monday, you know, the, you know, the stock market closed at like, you know, 27. Like, nobody cared. Yeah. And I didn't he, see Frankenstein just walk past. Nobody. Yeah, nobody there was a guy that was dressed like it, as it with balloons. Really? And, and nobody like, paid no money. They were like, hey, what's up, Steve? One thing that was really funny though is me. I, first of all, I was dressed as I was dressed as Flo Exotic, my custom character for Halloween this year. I have shaved my mustache into the most ridiculous thing, and I'm talking to this guy who's dressed up like the it it the clown, yeah, or some kind of clown judge. It was his own kind of spin on it. Okay, but he also was carrying around like pros, prop prop faces, okay, like faces that looked like they were carved off. off of somebody's oh, okay. body, yeah. And they were talking, and having a good time, and everything. And then a little girl came in and was like, asked a question to that guy, like, mm-hmm. uh. Where's the whatever? And then uh, the uh, another one we were talking, we were all in a group, and the woman goes, "Oh, that's over here, Elsa." And then I love Frozen, so me and Sierra were like, "Oh my god, her name's Elsa! What, what is she? How old is she? Because that's crazy that they named her." And she goes, "Funny story, she was named right before the movie came out." Hey, Frank, let's just say the, the clown's name is Frank. Yeah. And for the last five minutes, he's been like doing jokes about the face. Yeah, oh man, you should have seen where I got this face from. I carved it right off, came off like butter. You know, he's really in character. Into it. And okay. then she goes. Um, 
what's the story? Like Elsa was born like how long? Um, about ten months. Like like he's wearing a clown mask. Yeah. Holding faces, and he broke out of character and just talked like an adult who had kids for two seconds. Like, he's like, um, yeah, about ten months before the movie came out, and then you know, now everybody thinks that uh, we stole it from the movie. Yeah, you know, and then he like snapped back into character. Oh, I'll cut your face off now. Yeah, but just in that moment, it was really fun. We also were talking to her, and I have this wig on and the thing, and we were talking about like, uh, like diseases for a second, like having a serious conversation about people being sick, and I was just like. It's not time for this. I just realized, like, it's really weird. I'm sitting here with this wig on, and yeah. it feels it's funny. It was funny. By the way, yeah. I think I personally think sure you won costume award of the year for me. Oh man, I think you won. Thank um, you, man. Also, did you get any compliments? Did anybody compliment you at all at the party? The costume. I mean, the, the wait staff really had a good time, but everybody okay. else was just like. Oh, a wig! Like they just weren't. They, they really aren't looking at. They're looking like overview. But nobody asked what your no, costume is. No, nobody asked. But, but Sierra would go. He's he's flow exotic. Like, have you seen Joe exotic? And then they go, Oh, okay. And they put it together because I have the progressive apron on. Stuff. But everybody just goes, Oh, a wig. That's funny. You're like a woman or something. But at a costume party, I figured this question it should be the main question of the night. Is no. What is your costume? Being the clown guy. Had a good conversation and some laughs. But I'm disappointed. Everybody else kind of just had like Ravens jerseys on, Boo. um, and or like a, I'm a I'm like a a cat. Like there was a lot of black cats there. So it was was it like it was like a casual. It was okay. Well, I was just saying I was about but to ask the you. guy dressed up as a full movie style Grinch costume. Yeah, not like just the mask. He had a whole fuzzy. I felt like I was a Chuck E. Cheese. Yeah. So the vibe so was. So he went all out, but so everybody the, else didn't. Yeah. So the vibe was, I got invited to a, a Halloween costume party. I got to put something together because somebody invited me, so I have to go. Yes. Okay. But when I got there, I was one of like five people <laughs> who really took it serious, and everybody yeah. else was just like, "I'm Dennis Pitta from the Baltimore Ravens." Ooh, boring. Yeah, but they. It was like <laughs> it was the costume of a boring guy who was talking about uh, finance at a at a at a at a Halloween party. Yeah. Well. People, I think so. that they should have had a dance floor and music playing. That would have really gave, sent people the message of like, we're not here to talk about fucking yeah. money. So we stayed briefly and we left. Yeah. I really appreciate them having us, but um, next time, I want to hear Monster Mash when I'm at a Halloween party. Yeah, where's the music? Yeah. He's got heck. Was he not upset? I mean, like, if I was to go out. No, because he just <laughs> likes people. He just likes people being around Fair and having okay. a good time. I feel like if I'm going to go all out, I want people to be like, this is this, this is, is awesome. the Halloween jam of this. Yeah. Yes. It's not a Halloween party if I don't hear. It always feels like somebody's yeah. watching me. Thriller. Yeah. All of those things. Right. <laughs> but it had all the accoutrement of a Halloween party. That's what I mean. Scary decorations, That's food great. and everything. But just the music wasn't there. And I think that kind of made it feel more like an office Halloween yeah. party. No DJ. He did all no, that, but no DJ. All that, no DJ. But he had a great time. <laughs> That's good. I met him briefly. Yeah. I, and he's my kind of, he's the kind of rich guy I like because I heard somebody go, his daughter was, ta- had a friend there, and she goes, when we were pulling up to the house, my daughter goes, oh my God, this is a mansion. And he goes, I don't know about all that. Just a great place to hang out. <laughs> Humble. He, he goes, yeah. I don't know about all, I don't know about all that, but like, it's, it's, it's a great place to hang out. Yeah. Great place to have the family, everybody together. He says something like that where I go, you know how big you're balling. Don't yeah. fucking try to be. Don't be coy, man. But I like. But I like it. Yeah. That's how you should be. You got a nice car. People, are, damn, man, that car is crazy. I mean, it gets you from A to B. It's just, you know, it's just, it's just four wheels in a seat. But in other news, yes, no, this is not a Halloween podcast. Um, and we have some really co- cool news because we have some new guests, uh, Ooh. that that are listening. And um, I think that's because something really exciting news uh happened this week. The McRib came back. What? You know what I'm saying? So, you know, shout out to everybody here for that good McRib content. 
Um, you know, shout out to my man Miles. He loves McRibs. Oh, amazing McRib fiend. <laughs> you know, he almost did five to ten over a Mc, over a McRib. Uh, no, in all seriousness, though, this week the episode of Murder Squad that we did with uh, yes. Paul and Billy and Polly yep. over there, um, you know, Murder Squad came out. And the response has been really cool. People, yeah. people seem to like liked it, and they liked the case that we did, and um, that was really cool. And uh, I popped in on Paul and Billy, and Polly did like a costume. I mean, a um, a fan art Zoom. How was it? Call. It was really cool. They have some really talented listeners. Mm. You know, like they made all kind of crazy art for them, and I really? was really impressed. And we have some really talented listeners as well and we've gotten all kind of crazy stuff but anytime i try to get them incentivized to do stuff they don't want to and i'm like who wants to win this thing and yeah. you just make take a, a artsy photograph of yourself in your uh, affirmative murder clothes yeah and nobody ever submits stuff man so i think they have i think active i think i think they maybe just like don't people are really like uh self-conscious these days like i don't want yeah, to be yeah. i don't want to be in the spotlight i just i'm i play the i play the wall yeah also i think people want to wait to who's going to set the bar to what and maybe it's less fault why would it be less as Because when we did the t-shirt one, I mean, yeah, he, yeah, he yeah, that's very true. Water. That's very true. That's <laughs> very true. He, he, he set a bar that nobody could could compete with. Yeah. Yeah. You know what, man? Fuck that guy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, but in other news, though, uh, last week we talked about, we had some discussions about ancestry and mm-hmm. family trees and stuff like that. And the response from that has been really cool. We got reached out by a lot of people, a lot of listeners, some new listeners that heard the conversation and offered their help. So I wanted to read an email because it was really cool. I haven't even really started the process because it's um, very overwhelming. Like, first of all, you, you you hit with this prospect of giving your DNA to some kind Are you going to try it? I think I am, man. I just really, I want to try too. I really, yeah. I, I, I'm glad you I'm glad you told me because I want to try. I let think me let do. me let me read this email and okay. then that will um, this because this person might be able to help us. Her name's Amber. The subject is Ancestry and African-American Genealogy. Her message is, hello, friend. Uh, hello, Alvin and friend. I began to listen to your podcast in September, and it was recommended in my Facebook knitting groups. Shout out to them. Okay. And it's quickly become my new favorite podcast. Today, while listening to your newest episode, Cursive is Stupid, I realized uh, I had to contact you when Alvin began talking about lost African-American ancestry. Uh, two days ago, I finished taking an online course in gene, uh, genealogy at Boston University. Mm. Genealogy has been a hobby of mine for uh, years, but my love of true crime led me this summer to change careers from pro, uh, from programming to investigative genetic genealogy, mm. ooh, other, also known as IgG. Uh, IgG is, u- is the usage of DNA testing and genealogy to help law enforcement match suspects with DNA from evidence. This process was famously used to identify the Golden State Killer. This was my first genealogy course of many, and I uh, I plan to take to become a genetic genealogist. Good luck to you on your journey, Amber. Um, she also let me know about this thing, um, this event, which was called, I'll just read it. Uh, in the course, we learned about the Freedmen's, the Freedmen's Saving and Trust Company. This was a bank that was set up specifically for freed slaves and African-American soldiers. It was in operation from 1865 to 1874. The Freedman Saving and Trust Company papers, paper records from the 29 branches have been microfilmed and most are available online. If you had an ancestor that lived near one of their branches during this time, there may be a record of them banking there. The information you will find will vary. It may give you a list of ancestors, relatives, such as parents, siblings, spouses, and or children. Uh, the date they opened an account their balance, and their signature. 
So these are all things that are possible if you um, look up the Freedman Saving and Trust Company and you had some some family members that might have banked there in mm-hmm. the 1800s. Um, she gave us a couple of links, including the Freedman's Bureau, uh, uh, Bureau information and another link um, for Af- Af- African-American ancestry to just like a, a hub of all kind of information. She said, if either of you would like to uh, would like for me to aid you in your genealogy in your genealogical research, I'd be happy to do so. In genealogy, it is encouraged to help others pro bono as a search angel, especially as you are learning, especially as you are learning. Feel free to email me and good luck with your search. Your friend, Amber. First of all, Amber, thank you very much. Uh, much props to you and, and you know, good luck to you and all your courses that you're taking. And, and I hope that you reach your goal of you know becoming an IgG. Uh, getting messages like this has really, you know, cemented my feeling on that I want to do this. I, I want to go as far back as I can. If that's yeah. only like just past people that I actually have met, that's, you know, it is what it is. But you don't, you never know what you could uncover. Yeah. So I'm ready to just do that. So which one is it? What do you mean? Which, uh, what program is it? Um, well, there's Ancestry.com and there's uh, 23andMe. Which one are you going to try? I don't know. Oh, okay. I also got oh, recommended like a, a one that's for black people. You know, oh, so that's shit. what I mean. It's, yeah, yeah. it's almost like paralyzing. You know, you go to take the first step and you go, well, what step should I make? So hopefully people like Amber hear what I'm saying and, and they can further tell me like, hey, okay, here's what you do. Yeah. Go to this. They're going to send you an envelope. You're going to swab your mouth. And then, you know, I have to get over my fears of that because we've talked about this on this podcast. I just all I'm like, I don't want to get a phone call or a police knock on my door like your DNA <laughs> was found at this police crime scene. <laughs> and that could be some kind of crazy conspiratorial mm. like fear that will never happen. But when you could give be. your DNA over to some envelope and it just it just it, it, it startles me. Yeah. But in order to take this journey, that's a step I have to take. Yeah. So I have to get over that. And, you know, stuff, you know, uh. Hopefully people can aid me in uh Yeah, I'm cool. I'm cool down. I'm down with doing that. Yeah. Yeah. That was another thing we talked about is just these monuments all around the country. Um, uh, I've also got a message from somebody saying like, you know, be, be prepared because that stuff can be heavy. You know, just experiencing that, seeing those photos, seeing these landmarks, being in a say a slave cell yeah. for people where they hid, you know. But I'm prepared, you know, like yeah, it, 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 you, you, you can't tell people in this country to reckon with the with the past sins of this country, if you aren't prepared to do so as well. So I can't tell people like, Oh, open wounds and the band-aids. It's just a band-aid and all this. And if, if I haven't experienced mm-hmm. it and I don't know, and I haven't been there and, and paid respect and touched, touched a uh, soil in these places. So yeah. it feels like something I need to do. So um, over the next couple of years, I would like to you know start that journey, especially once the stuff opens up again. Now, before we get to the celebrations, I have a couple of, uh, we have, we got some mail this week. Yep. Okay. First thing we got was from Esther Ludlow from the amazing Once Upon a Crime podcast. She sent us some, uh, like a swag bag. Yeah. First of all, she got his like lunch bag, lunch bag merch, which is fucking dope as shit. It's something I might want to look into. And she got us a, a bookmark and a sticker. And so thank you to Esther. She's always been super supportive dope. and her podcast is incredible. And, you know, thank you to her for always being supportive and, and, and cheering us on. She's, yeah. she's a really awesome She has person. like a custom packaging bag yeah 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 I was like, oh shit. her mail bag yeah i got her, excited you know, yeah yeah she yeah she's 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 doing big things she's yeah. incredibly talented and we also got something from a listener named jonathan gary mm-hmm. uh he was uh it, it says in the letter but i just want to set it up um we've been doing or i've been doing taco tuesdays and friend will pop in sometimes um you know uh to just kind of discuss whatever and i was doing a taco tuesday on instagram live and bella popped in 
and he made a comment in the thing, you know, the little scrolling screen of words, yeah. like, oh, your dog, does your dog eat treats? Maybe I'll send her some treats. And I go, yeah, but she's gluten-free because she has hip dysplasia. So um, they'll be, you know, we want to try to get her some gluten-free stuff, you know, to help with her diet so it doesn't inflame her hips. Yeah. Right? He sent us some dog treats mm -hmm. based on that conversation. So, and he also sent us a letter. The letter reads, hey, guys, love the pod. I genuinely laugh every episode. You guys are great. I was on last Taco Tuesday and saw Alvin's pupper. I can't remember her name because I'm a fucking goldfish, but I remember she's trying to be gluten-free and she's eight. So I wanted to send y'all some love for her. I bought a little pet shop back in February that I worked at for almost 10 years. Yeah, mm, shout out to that. That's like, dope. Come back and get, come back and, yeah. That's dope. Did I'd he like not like his balls or something? I don't, or maybe that he loved his boss and oh. his boss retired possibly. Oh, okay. You know, I'd I love hope to, yeah. I hope that he hated his boss. He was like, I'm gonna come back and buy this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm every yeah, all your dreams are really spiteful in ways. <laughs> but I did. I left Abercrombie on bad terms. I'd love to go back and just fucking. I'll take the whole store. Yeah. I don't even want the stuff. That's what I mean. I'll take it all and get your fire. Your fire. <laughs> you. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Uh, he said, I have the best timing, LOL, but I love what I do. Here is some gluten-free stuff for her. Here's some gluten-free stuff for her. They're all meat except for collard greens. I hope she likes it. If you need some dog food recommendations for her as well, I can help. A lot of foods say they're gluten-free and grain-free, but they, they, uh, they fill them up with so much other carbs that they are just as inflammatory. Can't, uh, can't name names on the air. If y'all happen to read this on an episode, but I can break down what she's eating and see if there's a better option. If you're interested, let me uh, let me know. If not, enjoy the treats and keep up the good work from Jonathan G. Uh, I think I might have said his name like, already, but I'm going to say yeah. G for the rest of the thing. Um, he's an affirminator and a pet lover. And this mm. is the big part. Uh, P.S. If you happen to shout out my store, which you don't have to, it's pronounced solely for pets. And now it's spelled S-O-W-L-E-Y. Soli was my great grandfather's name. Mm. And we are solely for pets. It's it's punny kind of. Yeah. You know? It's not punny kind of. It's a great pun. That's dope. And um, I love that you're honoring your grandfather. And whether or not you bought that business to say fuck you to the boss who previously owned it, or you, you know, took over for a guy that you respected very much, either way. I, I wish you nothing but great success in your business. Yeah. And thank you for sending us over some some dog treats for both both us and Jasper. Do Fran has a dog as well. Yeah. I don't think. Oh, he Jasper, might eat the bag. The, the bag included. Yeah. Yeah. A, a pure that monster. Dog is, that dog's crazy. Well, you know, I'm sure the bag is biodegradable or something like that. that you know, mm -hmm. if, they're, if, they're, if they're solely for pets, you know. Yeah. Um, but for anybody, I don't really know where Jonathan is from. But look up solely for pets. S-O-W-L-E-Y. And yeah. if you're in the area, go support him, man. It's, it's, it's a good time to support small business. Um, anyway, we have some celebrating to do. I, okay. I tried to spell calibrate. Um, Learn to spell first before you could attack me. Ooh, sick burn. Uh, uh, no, but we got some celebrating to do, okay? Oh, this is my favorite part. It comes in good. You're not going to play this, right? On what? Guitar. I'd love to see it. <laughs> if anybody wants to see Fran play celebration on guitar on the on the on the OnlyFans. First of on, all, on don't don't doubt my uh talent. Okay. It's a guitar right there. You're welcome I to can't play it. I can't play that on that. What kind of guitar do you need? I need an electric to... guitar. Oh, okay. Too oh, now? Yeah, all right, my bad. Um I believe last week we ended because it was a very funny conversation that we had. I believe we ended on uh love paper was it paper what was that? What was that name? Paper love on 
There we go. Love, paper, paint. That yep. was, I believe that was the yep. last one we did. So we're going to start from there, okay? Up first, we got Kate G. Kate G, you greatly appreciate it. Thank you for joining on this train with us and being very supportive and being awesome. Up next, we got Sarah K. Sarah, you know the deal. Much love. You are a serial killer for life or for whenever. If you cancel, that's up to you. That's your business. Mm. Uh, Leslie P, shout out to you, Leslie P. And then we got another Leslie P on here as well. Got two of them? That's two Leslie P's. Maybe so she signed them twice. Actually, yeah. It's two different emails. Okay, never mind. But similar emails. You know what, Leslie P? You double dipped. Yep. <laughs> Shout out to you, Leslie P. <laughs> Much love to you. Thank you for being double supportive. Yeah. Uh, up next, we got, oh, Kariz. Okay. K-H-A-R-R-I-2-Zs. Shout out to you, Z. Shout out to Kariz. Kariz. Mm-hmm. Shout out to you. Uh, Jade M., much appreciated. Thank you for the support. We love you, and we appreciate you, and we support you in all your endeavors. Up next, we got Angela A. I was going to say Angela Bass. I'm going to say, what? Hey, man, if, I, if it was, I couldn't reveal those kind of illustrious supporters like that. Yeah. But shout out to you, Angela A. Thank you very much for the support. Yeah. Up next, we got Cayman W. Shout out to you, Cayman. Much love, much support. Love the name. Very unique. Cayman. Yeah. Up like the Grand Caymans. Yeah. Uh, we went there. Yes, we did. I, sw- I swam with the Stingrays. Yes. You did not. Like a crazy person. Yeah. I took a dip. I went down a little bit. Dip your toes. Uh, up next, we got Morgan H. Shout out to you, Morgan H. Much love to you in all your endeavors, and we hope 2020 is going well to you and, and all involved. Uh, up next, we got Britta JK. She is okay. Two. So I'm going to go Britta Juliet K. Shout out to you, Britta Juliet K. Uh, much love, and thank you for the support. We love you. We love you. Much support, and thank you um, to everything going on with you. I hope that you have a great birthday, whenever that may be. Um, Heather H., Thank you for the support. We appreciate you. We love you. Thank you very Double much. Double H. Okay. Preparation H. Yeah. Uh, thank you very much, Heather H. All right. We're just doing free. I, I thought we were just doing word association. Yeah, we are. You know? <laughs> Preparation is key. Keys to the Florida Keys. Uh, you reaching uh, it. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, we got Hannah C. Shout out to you, Hannah okay. C. Thank you very much. Hannah, banana. It's not Hannah banana, C. Banana, banana. Oh, Hennessy. Yeah, straight to the face. Yeah. Uh, shout out to you, Hennessy. That's your new nickname, actually. Hennessy, you are now known as Hennessy from henceforth. Uh, up next, we got Laura F. Laura F. Shout out to you, okay. Laura F. Thank you for the support. Your picture looks like you're staring off into a sunset. Very regal. I love it. You seem like one of nature. Maybe you own some Patagonia. Uh, Adrian F. Shout out to you, Adrian F. Thank you very much for the support. We love you. Thank you very much for supporting us and joining our Patreon. Uh, lastly, we have Danny D. But not leastly, we have Danny D. Um, thank you, Danny D., for supporting, uh, you know, on this beautiful, fresh November month. You know, Thanksgiving's right around the corner. And I hope you enjoy some nice smoked turkey. Um, <laughs> that's it for the celebrations. Once again, thank you to everybody who joined this week, and um, to everybody who's here from Murder Squad. Um, if you haven't checked out, welcome. If you haven't checked out by now, thank you for sticking around, and you know we hope we continue to make you laugh and think and um, tell some decent true crime stories that maybe you haven't heard before. And to everybody who's been here since day one, or at least around that time, thank you for sticking it out. You know, yep. um, it's been a long journey. We've officially been doing this for three years now as of october 15th of this year mm. so um yeah man this has been a wild ride and it continues to be in motion yeah so that's always cool yep. you know you don't, you never want the ride to stop so thank you to everybody who support us supports us and who has just started supporting us and uh what we're gonna do is we're gonna take a quick break and when we come back it's time for some fucked up shit so stick around all right, and we are back, Fran. It's my turn to go first this week, and my okay. affirmative murder is the story of Shelley Turner. Mm. Okay, my sources were the Philadelphia Inquirer and Oxygen.com. Okay, 
I like Oxygen.com because, one, they point you in the direction of the new shows that they're going to do that are true crime based. Yeah. But then they also kind of do a breakdown of what's going to be in the episode so you can find some good information in the, like, the bio, the bio of the episode for Oxygen.com. Mm. It's like, you can see all this this Thursday, yeah. but here's what happened. There's no, you got to watch it to get all the The dramatization and, and yeah, seeing people you. speak about it and their emotion behind it, it doesn't ruin that, yeah, obviously. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, so Oxygen.com and the Philadelphia Inquirer combined really came through and helped me out for molding the story and giving me a lot of information and stuff like that. <clears throat> okay. So Shelly Turner was considered by many who knew her to be destined for greatness. Mm. As a student athlete at William Penn High School in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, she may not have had access to state-of-the-art resources or even a track to practice on. But she preserved and made a name for herself as a young black track star whose talent may have led her straight to the Olympics. Mm. Back in 1993, and this is this is not funny and it won't be funny, but this guy's name is just it's just a hilarious name, objectively, outside of anything to do with the story. This guy's name is Mr. Man Frisbee. Mr. Man Frisbee. Yeah, his name's Mr. First name. Oh, his name is Mr. No, his yes, his name is Mr. Oh. Man, his okay. middle name. Frisbee. Well, I feel like I heard that name before. I don't know. It might have been a children's toy you played with when you were, you know, I don't, you know <laughs> that, that's what it makes me think of. Frisbee. You know, it's like, uh, hmm. you know, like Stretch Armstrong. Yeah. Mr. Man Frisbee. What does he do? Oh, you pull his arm back. and Where's he from? Does he say where he's from? From Philadelphia. Well, he's just he's an American from, dude. I don't, he's from America. I don't know <laughs> okay. his, I don't know his, like, his, his, his cultural background, yeah, but he yeah. was, he seemed like a dude who was, you know, first generation American. Like he didn't have an accent or anything mm, like that. Mr. And also it's like, none of those words seem ethnic. It just yeah. like, I mean, Mr. is a unique name, but I'm sure there's a story there. It sounds like the parents in a rush or something. Like the doctor was like, all right, you need to come up. I need to finish this uh, birth like, certificate. So hurry room, up. Looked around the room. There was like a Mr. for spraying plants. Like, uh, Mr. <laughs> The doctor's a man. Um, favorite toy. His brother, uh, his older brother had like a frisbee in his yeah. hand. <laughs> oh, is it a boy or a girl, mommy? Oh, he's got a frisbee. Um, a frisbee. Mr. Man Frisbee. <laughs> All right, okay. I guess that's what we're going with. Uh, anyway, so back in 1993, Mr. Man Frisbee was a writer for the Daily News, now defunct, for the Daily News is now defunct Fresh Ink, mm. a, new, a weekly supplement produced by high school students, which is super cool. Again, yeah. I just think... You should encourage kids to be anything they possibly can be. So I love a school having like an agreement with a local newspaper. Like you could become a journalist yeah. and you can have a pro one of your classes could be journalism class and you can actually write a weekly newspaper for the new for, you know, a weekly column for the newspaper as a high school student. I think that's so fucking cool. Um, uh, he also was a senior at Overbrook High School where he ran track as well. When Shelly Turner, a friend and track star from a rival school, went missing Frisbee began asking questions and trying to get reporters and editors interested in the story. Mm. It wasn't easy, however, since teens would go missing, all, would and do go missing all the time and then pop up later. You know, run away, yeah. went went somewhere they, and then were scared to go home because they were going to get in trouble, those kind yeah. of things. Uh, in there. Oh, big time. Schwazy, 2009. <laughs> <laughs> it's something about <laughs> when the plan just falls apart, yeah, you know, we drove to Pittsburgh to see Swayze at a skate rink, yeah, and my mom called me. We I was driving a 1995 Nissan Maxima. Mm -hmm. uh, did not check the oil or anything <laughs> like that before we took a, a many hour drive to you know uh, the Steel City. Yeah, and I get a phone call from her because I told her I was staying at your house. Yep, I get a phone call from her saying, 
where are you? Mm-hmm. I said, I'm in Fran's house. Yeah. And, you know, when I said it the second time, it was a thing of like, I'll see you when you, I'll see you when you get back to the house. We still had a great time. And we yeah. listened to Buzzin and all that. Yeah, you know, it was, yeah. oh man, it's great. Had a great time. Swayze came out kind of late. There was a yeah. lot of Pittsburgh rappers. I got a lot of questions about that night. Now, now oh, I I don't, I, as I got older, <laughs> I know exactly what it was. See, Swayze was going to another concert and some girl that he was probably fucking in that little town in Pittsburgh <laughs> that we went to was like, oh my God, my friend's a promoter. Come do a show here yeah. and we'll get you some bottles and we'll have a good time after the show. Yeah. And so in route to going to like, you know, Pittsburgh University or something like that or Penn State, he stopped off at this rinky dink bowling alley, which we bought tickets for, and did eight songs and left. Yeah. He left with some sky vodka and some weed, and then they got back on their little tour bus and proceeded to the place where they were actually getting paid good money. It was a stopover place. <laughs> and <laughs> Wow. But anyways, um, yeah, it's it's something about kids not wanting to come home sometimes because you know you you know you fucked up. Yeah. So basically um, uh, Mr. Man Frisbee was saying, no, 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 this, this is, she's, something's wrong. She would not miss a track meet. Cause everybody knows Shelly's the new, she's the rising star in, in, in Philly. She's, you know, the best female track star or one of, and she doesn't miss track meets. Yeah. And everybody's like, oh, I don't really, all the reporters are like, I don't really want to touch it yet. Cause she could pop back up. I don't know if she's actually, you don't, we don't want to presumptively make a story and make yeah. a big deal out of something that she could just come back and was out of town for a couple of days. But uh, he stayed on it. He did not let up. And somebody quoted exactly saying uh, it was him that kept pushing the story. His name was Joe Black. Joe Blake, this quote is from. Mm-hmm. He was he was a, a reporter at that same newspaper where this young man got to write a column for. He said, after a few days, I got concerned and passed it along. But the bottom line was it was him who kept pushing. Until somebody paid enough attention to really start reporting on it. So this is the being a victim's advocate is key. You know, if you have a family member who's, you know, been assaulted, been killed or anything like that. Sometimes it's not the the media covering up the story. Sometimes people just aren't hearing about the story. So it's important for people who go out there. This is an important role. Don't ever think like, you know, you're annoying people or your, your efforts aren't going anywhere. It only takes one person to listen. Yeah. So being a victim's advocate is very key. Like getting out there, banging on doors, sending emails out, letting people know like something happened to this person. This wasn't a, a, a fucking, uh, you know, uh, an accident or something. Something mm-hmm. happened and I'm I'm going to speak up for this person because they can't do it for themselves. So, you know, this young lady, Shelly, was missing and Mr. was her her advocate and kept beating on doors and telling these reporters like something's wrong. You guys need to pay attention to this. And it worked. Um, he kept banging on doors. People started getting concerned. And what authorities soon discovered would haunt the city of Philadelphia for years. On January 17th, 1993, the day of an important track meet, uh, Shelly Turner failed to show up, mm. sparking concern that only grew when her coach learned that Turner's mother, Vivian King, hadn't seen her daughter since the night before when she left to spend the night at a friend's house just across the street. Her mother's emotional pleas on TV and radio begging for her daughter's safe return were heart-wrenching. Like a lot of others who followed up who followed her story, local community members assumed she fell prey to some evil character on her way on her walk back home. But after police contacted Turner's friends and classmates to see if any of them had seen her, they learned where she had really gone that night. Turner's best friend, Andrea McCall, said that Turner was actually planning to go see her new boyfriend, mm. Sean Williams. Before she left, 
McCall said that she lent Turner her father's leather jacket and that, and that Turner promised she wouldn't stay out too late because she had a track meet the following day. Yeah. That was the last day she saw her best friend. Mm. Police wasted no time bringing in Williams for questioning. And he said that the two had hung out until around 1.30 in the morning. Williams said Turner decided to take the bus home and that he watched her board, the, uh, board it and drive away. Uh, Sean Williams was picked up and interrogated. He said that he saw her get on a bus and drive away at 1.30. When she, when she left, my, left my house, she got on the bus and drove away around 1.30 in the morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, ultimately, Williams was ruled out as a suspect after an investigators checked with the bus driver who confirmed that Turner had ridden on the bus that night. The driver also said that Turner got off at a stop that was six blocks away from her house, which was in an area that was known to be dangerous. Hmm. Like the kind of area that's not safe for a 17 year old girl, probably like in 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 good shape, you know, because she's runs track to like walk past a crew of dudes that might be out on the stoop at two o'clock in the morning, you know? Kind of an unsavory area to be walking around in yeah. late at night. Uh, authorities searched the abandoned homes near the stop and the surrounding areas, but they found no trace of Turner. Meanwhile, her mother went to the public for, uh, for help, and the community banded together to offer a $6,000 reward for information on the teen's whereabouts. Turner's friends also began to search the community for the missing teen. The community really rallied around Vivian King. You know, because, you know, she's on the news crying. She wants yeah. her daughter to find and really, And the community really was like, we need to solve this. This could have been any of our kids. Yeah. Super understandable. Uh, still, investigators kept reaching dead ends. And two weeks later, Turner was still nowhere to be found. After talking to King again, police were prompted to investigate her track coach, Tim Hickey, a bit more closely. Due to claims that he was close with Turner and would spend time alone training with students. Like, that's not weird. But that's the thing, though. I wasn't a... uh, I played baseball in my freshman... my sophomore year of high school, but I wasn't, like, the guy. Now, also, this is girls' sports with a male coach, but if I'm the star of the team, I don't know if it's weird to have, like, you know, private meetings away from everybody else, because, like, listen... At the school? Is it at the school? I don't have all those details. Okay. But training, if it's not if at it's the school, training, that's weird. Are you saying, yeah, oh, you said at the school. At the school, I thought yeah. you said after school. No, 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 at okay. the school. Yeah, I'm sure it's at the school. Yeah, no, I'm sure it's at the school, like in the in the gyms and stuff, yeah. you know? Yeah, one-on-one with a, a male coach and a female student or it's, athlete. It's is weird. It's, it, it should, that shouldn't happen. Okay. I, 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 I don't have kids, and, and so I think that could probably maybe change your mentality. And um, also, I didn't pl- really play sports, so I don't know. But what I did is uh, watch that HBO documentary about that doctor who was molesting all those female gymnasts. Yeah. And the the parents would always be asked to leave the room. So, yeah, maybe just to be safe, don't leave adult men in a room with minor girls. It feels weird that you even have to say stuff like that, but it's the world that we live in. Yeah. So, good point. If For me, I'm like, I don't know. If she's the best track person, maybe he's like, you do training different than the other girls, so you need to be trained separately because you're you're on a different track than them. You you have an opportunity to really go somewhere, but that's just my. I mean, that's just you can you can do that in a and still a be a room practice. full of, a room full of people, but like Shelly's over here. Exactly. Sure. Okay. Good point. Hickey appeared to be devastated by his by hearing that his star students dis, hearing about his star students disappearance, and his alibi for that night that he was with a group of people checked out, mm. eliminating him as a suspect. 
But see, I also would love to have a conversation with Tim Hickey because sometimes that stuff doesn't wash off of you. I thought I wouldn't I, be surprised if he like lost his job or something just oh, for being okay. suspected or something like that. So Tim Hickey was scratched off the suspect list as well. His alibi checked out. But what they learned from Tim Hickey, the, the detectives, they learned new information about Turner. She had, conf- she had confided in him that her family life was difficult. So much so that she dreaded going home. Turner's family began to draw more suspicion after McCall noticed something odd a few days later. Andrea McCall, her best friend. She saw Turner's stepfather, Clarence Jones, leaving the house wearing the same leather jacket that she had lent Turner on the night she disappeared. What? That's savage. Yes. Which is super odd because supposedly Shelly never made it back home. Yeah. So the jacket that- She never got the jacket back. Wow. Well, the jacket shouldn't be in the house. Absolutely, it shouldn't be. It shouldn't Nobody be, should have it on. Nobody should have. Yeah, it should still be missing. The jacket should still be. That's missing. crazy. Yeah, um, that is wow. Wild, it's man. very wild. Imagine being that person. Like, wait, no fucking way. That yeah, yeah. Like that's that's a big clue, because that's the last thing I saw her wearing. Yeah, I gave uh, me the heebie-jeebies for sure. I'm sure it gave her the heebie-jeebies. Investigators brought Jones in for questioning, but when asked about the jacket, he claimed that he had just picked up whatever he could find in the house. And didn't know to whom it belonged. He also denied having anything to do with his stepdaughter's disappearance. And seemed generally confused about the importance of the jacket he was wearing. He was very much like, why do y'all keep asking me about this jacket? I don't know. He doesn't even understand the the, the, the connection the they're connection, trying to make. Right. He's like, it's a jacket. Like, I didn't do anything to Shelly. I love Shelly. He really couldn't put it together. So yeah. he's very much like, what the hell do you guys keep asking me about this jacket for? Uh, after authorities verified that he was at work the morning of Turner's disappearance... Delivering papers as usual, they ruled him out as a suspect Ugh. and continued to search for answers. Damn. Even calling in a psychic to consult, which is, I don't know, it's 93. Maybe we give him a pass, but I have to lose all faith in the police if um, they're investigating my child's disappearance and I find out that they called in Miss Cleo. <laughs> that shouldn't stay, a psychic shouldn't be involved. Listen, for all, for all intents and purposes, let's just me and you go. I don't know. I believe in that kind of stuff. Kind of. I believe people can have feelings and things like that. And, you know, and you guess, know, make guesses, make guesses, educated guesses, you know, spiritual, cosmic guesses. Mm-hmm. Me and you can have a conversation like that. Yeah. When you're talking about a homicide investigation, I don't want anybody that's come through. It's like, let me get a piece of their clothes. I want to really um, feel their or you shouldn't be involved in this at all. Yeah. What other story? We did another story that, where that happened. That happens like, a why, lot. That why happens, is that? What? That happens a lot in these investigations. And what happens is you get all these phone calls from all these people. Yeah. And, but you have to follow up on them sometimes. What kind of tactic is that though? Let's get like, no, what? but I understand. Luckily, let's say you get, just like, let's say you get a phone call okay. at three o'clock in the morning and somebody goes, I saw Shelly Turner three days ago. But my, my and thing. They go, oh my God. Where? In my dream. Yeah. She was at this barn and da 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 da. It's on this road. And you go, what if they're crazy? And this is the killer we're talking to. So we have to go look at the barn that they just described because she could be in that barn. And this person's using psychic abilities as the cover for being the killer. So that takes away from, you know, real resources yeah. and manpower because they actually do have to follow up with some of these detailed, uh, you know, accounts. Yeah. But a lot of the times they get phone calls like, oh, she uh, spoke to me. But that's what I mean. Though. If they find out word gets out with he's a psychic, you got all these people that... Oh, more psychics will come. All of them come out the woodworks. Yeah. And then now you're wasting time, precious yeah. time, yeah. to follow up on this. Like, yeah. that's... Come on now. I have to imagine maybe they called in the best psychic. We brought in 
the Tom Brady of psychics. Yeah. Maybe that's what it was. Or maybe they called and, you know, maybe that psychic called them and they were like, okay, well, shit, we keep hitting all these dead ends. Why not? Yeah. Hail Mary, right? Um, That's a hell of a Hail Mary. Though. Hell of a Hail Mary. <laughs> uh, still four weeks later, Turner's disappearance was still a mystery mm. and her loved ones were beginning to lose hope. But the jacket, though, what? It's like I can't explain. It's like they can't explain it, but they know it wasn't him, right? But so the jacket the, is, was in a house. So the investigation continues. The case took a dark turn on February 20th, 1993, uh, just hours after the community gathered for a, merch, uh, for a march in Turner's honor. A man walking his dog in Fairmount Park came across what appeared to be a human body covered, mm. in, a, covered in a blood-stained tarp in a secluded part of the woods. He immediately called in the police who saw this and uh, who, who saw it, that it was a young black girl who had sustained multiple gunshot wounds to her mm. face, what? hand, and chest area. She also sustained blunt force trauma to the side of her face. Uh, King would later positively identify the body as being that of her daughter. Mm. And the community was left heartbroken. Turner had been found dead in the same park where she would often go for runs because her school didn't have a track. Mm. Uh, as investigators searched for a killer, Turner's loved ones gathered for her funeral where her mother's behavior immediately set off an alarm bell because many in attendance noticed that she was, instead of crying like some would expect her to be, she seemed to be in good spirits as she greeted those in attendance. A quote, somebody is quoted in the person, Vivian, somebody is quoted in saying, Vivian King was not acting like the mother of a 17-year-old girl who was murdered. Mm. This is according to Mr. Man Frisbee. That's a, that's a, uh, well, our, we already know who done it. I think I know who done it. Sure. But as yeah. a parent, it's that's probably... The, I don't think you thought this is what I was about to say, but yeah. as a parent, this is like the worst nightmare you could ever have. Sure. Absolutely. To identify your child yes. after trauma like that yeah. shit like that. that that's, and, and then I also, couldn't even. But then also mm. being the person that, I mean, I wouldn't expect anybody. I wouldn't, I don't think anybody has any expectations to, but like, yeah, you, you have to greet the, you know, when you have the funeral, you're kind of the captain of the ship. Yeah. The parents are right. So my, where I thought you were going was, you can't like you know predict how people's grief is gonna manifest, right? Yeah. I thought that you went somewhere else and yeah, you yeah. brought up a good. Yeah, I, I I don't never know. I'll I don't know as of this time in my life. I don't know what that. I don't even have dreams of what that feeling could yeah, be yeah. like, right? Um, but um, what I, what I thought you were gonna say was you can't really because uh, this is what he says after he said that he says you can't really say how somebody's supposed to mourn the loss of their daughter, but that wasn't it. And that's what everybody was talking about at the funeral. Again, that was Mr. Man Frisbee. Yeah. Um, but the jacket was in the house. It's like the the jacket was in the house. So that means she was in. She got to the. She house. had to be. But, <laughs> she had but, to go but, home but at some point. I don't, I don't want to go into it yet because clearly you you see where I'm going, and maybe some people listening haven't. Okay. And I'm gonna not do to you what to, you do. What, you, what yeah. I do. <laughs> and yeah, a do and yeah. Tootie, and Rudy Tootie. What you do, I do. You two. Yeah. And you two do. Uh, um, King's behavior prompted rumors that she was involved in her daughter's murder, but she maintained her innocence and even appeared on a local radio show as a guest in an attempt to clear her name and ask for answers. And let me say this. If you're even a, a suspect in the murder of your child, I have to imagine you, you probably did it. I don't know many cases where that's the thing. And, yeah. and, and they just got it wrong. If you can just hold it together. After something like that, 
is you, you, that's you're, crazy. You're a suspect at least. Yes. That's it's like, oh yeah, going to Cancun next week. No way. After no the way. funeral, we're, no you way. know, we're just gonna get out of. We just, we just gotta get out of town. You know, there's so many bad vibes. Everybody's no sad. You know, no like way. we need to get, really get away, have a vacation. You after should your be kid's funeral. You should be having tears in your eyes after every letter, word, sentence that you speak about. Absolutely, a child that has passed away. Absolutely. Your child. That's crazy. But she had to go on TV and go, "How dare you guys accuse me?" The, even that imagery of that, because specifically, I just remember so so well because. Um, the Malia Bass case that I was um, talking about a lot before it came to its conclusion, her mother and the, Malia Bass's mother and her mother's boyfriend were on the news being like, they took her. I don't know what happened. So when you see that and you think it's fake, I couldn't imagine the next step. If, if that mom would have went on the news, you know, but what she did was this mom, Malia Bass's mom, she put up Facebook posts, which is a similar equivalent Yeah, where she's like, how y'all gonna accuse me? It was very like, um, how dare you? Y'all are stupid. The police didn't find anything. When that's one of your alibis as the parent being accused of killing your kid is like, the police let us go. So obviously, if they haven't found nothing, then they, would, they wouldn't have let us go. Yeah. Not just like, a, a parent's defense of that should be two sentences max of, I would never kill my child, and you people are disgusting for even insinuating that I would. Do I couldn't even. I couldn't even go on a radio show or whatever. Yeah, and be like mad. Yeah, and like, defensive. Well, I, like I don't. I'm not wasting my time. I'm not, this, it's so stupid. <laughs> it, what you're accusing me of is so stupid and makes me so angry and yeah. sad when I'm already sad that I'm not even gonna go on the news and defend it. Yeah, exactly. So already in the defending it, you look more suspicious. Yeah. But yeah, so she went on. She went on the news and and and, and uh, made a scene and all this kind of stuff. And during a portion of the interview that wasn't recorded, King describes the crime scene and the way her daughter's body was found in such startling detail that the host, Mary Mason, suspected that such facts could only be known by someone who had witnessed the murder personally. Yeah. She said something about the hand being over her face. And that makes me so sad because people, that's a defensive uh, wound. Yeah. Right? So you put your hand over the face because they're holding the gun to your face. Yeah. So you're using your hand to stop the the, yeah. you know uh, from a bullet it's such yeah. a desperate position to be in but so she was shot in the hand because the bullet went through her hand into her head into mm. her head right um which is so crazy but i'll continue um did he tell so okay now i'll let you go never mind okay um so because mary mason was so startled she re- she called the police and reported the strange encounter to the to them recounting that King had described how her daughter's hand had been near her face when she was shot. This new information, accompanied by previous odd behavior, convinced detectives on the case that Vivian King could possibly be responsible for the death of her daughter, uh, Shelly Turner. Before investigators were able to bring King in for questioning, she went to the police herself, desperate to clear her name, and agreed to take a polygraph test. So she went in there probably pretty bolsterous. Like, this is ridiculous. I'll take a test. We can take a test. I always think that's how it goes. Like, that's what I was about to say. I don't care. You know, how how do I prove this? I'll take a test. We can take a test right now. Um, <laughs> I, I wasn't really planning on it yeah. today, but I, but now you're stuck and you got to keep that same energy. So it's yeah. like, I wasn't really planning on it today, but like, shit, I mean, okay. what? Can I go home? No, I mean, it's right no. in this room. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. Well, let's do it then. Yeah. yeah all right. I, let's do it right now. It's just ridiculous, you know. So uh, Shelly took the test. Surprise, surprise. Guess what happened? 
She failed the polygraph. Of course. Test. <laughs> uh, uh, she failed the polygraph test and the results broke the case wide open. King asked to speak to police again. And once the interview and once in the interview room, she broke down in tears and confessed. Mm. So here's what happened. According to Vivian, of course. Can I make a guess first? Please. Okay. So I, she's going to tell what happened, what caused this whole thing, right? According to Vivian. So I assume that she did go see a boy. Mm-hmm. Come home late. Mm-hmm. Parent, uh, didn't, it, it, it was a confrontation. And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mom got mad and it... Escalated. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Basically. Okay. But it goes further and goes way darker than oh, that. Okay, all right. Actually, if that had been the case, she'd still be really apprehensible. But it went way further than that to where you go, oh, there's no excuse for this. And then the end of the case is insane. But... So I'm just giving you a little preview before I start. Okay. So what you just said is kind of true, but it's way worse than what you just described. All right. So, um, so was it was that kind of like a a trigger, like a yes, push over the yes, edge type of thing? Yes, absolutely. Yes, okay. that part absolutely. Yes, right. the coming home late thing. Um. So yeah, like I said, according to Vivian, this is according to Vivian. Uh, you know, um, 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 Shelly is not here to, to advocate for herself, so yeah. we only get one side of the story. But the story's so nuts, I don't really see how what she would be lying about. Um, in the early morning of January seventeenth, nineteen ninety three. Shelly came home on that fateful night and King had been drinking. She was very angry that her daughter had been out so late. The two started arguing and things turned physical. King got a gun and told Turner that she was going to take her to the police station because she didn't want her living at the family home anymore. When they got in the car, however, she drove her daughter past the police station and went to the park instead, where she got out of the vehicle and initiated a physical fight with Turner. She hit the teen in the face with her gun and shot her multiple times as mm. she was lying on the ground, killing her. Mm. She then covered her body with a tarp that, was, that she found nearby. In the interview room, King did, then did something that shocked the investigators. She laughed, confirming that she was truly a vile and evil woman. Mm. King was re- arrested and charged with murder, devastating the community and those who knew and helped search for Turner. And gave money to, for, uh, for a reward. Well, she had to. That's what she was doing so they wouldn't think it was her. Yeah, but imagine being that person and you're all sad and everything and you find that's what a crazy twist. Maybe you hugged uh, Vi- uh, Vivian King and told her everything was going to be off, all, all, all right. We're going to find Shelly. Yeah. And you find out you were hugging the person that killed Shelly the whole time. A killer. Yeah. That's got to fuck with your brain, man. And make you really have a distrust for people. You don't really believe anything after, yeah. after something like that happened. Um... Uh, this is a quote from her best friend. I felt disbelief and sadness. I couldn't understand how a mother could do something so foul to someone they gave birth to. Police searched King's house, and although they were able to conclude that Jones was not involved in the killing, they were unable to find the jacket, the gun, or any physical evidence link- linking King to her daughter's murder. Prosecutors were counting on her confession to win their case but they were thrown a huge curveball when she later recanted and claimed she had been coerced into uh, coerced into confessing by investigators. Still, between King's initial confession and the contradictory testimonies she made on the stand, a jury found King guilty of third-degree murder, mm. and she was arrested and sentenced to between 10 and 20 years in prison. Why is it third-degree murder? murder? I'll get, I got an explanation okay. for that. Um, uh, and a, uh, a former assistant district attorney named Judy Frankel Rubino said that the use of alcohol reduces the charge from first degree to third degree. She said, I also thought that six shots was enough for a specific intent to kill. 
but a jury just did not want to believe that without the alcohol, her mother would have killed her. So they let sympathy shade their um their conviction. So if she wasn't under the influence, she was. If she wasn't under, if she wasn't under the influence, they would there would have been a better chance of her getting first. If she wasn't drunk and did this, oh. they would probably give her first degree. But because she was under the influence, they bumped it to third degree. And because, and then she said, I also thought that the overkill would have been enough for first degree murder. Yeah. But the jury, the jury really lent on if she wasn't this drunk, a mother would oh, never shoot on. their child this many times. Right. So this is the, a lot of the problems with juries is that a lot of like implicit biases, personal feelings, people putting themselves in the situation. And, but you can say that, judgment. but you don't even know how drunk she was though. Or their relationship. You don't know anything. Right. You're just like, I would never. People, that's the thing. Whenever like, whenever we do st- crazy stories and you go, I just can't even imagine cutting somebody up and eating them. And I go, yeah, because you're not in that mental. You don't have the mental problems that this person has. Yeah. A jury, what a person on a jury could do sometimes is go, I would never shoot my child six times if I wasn't clearly like super fucked up on something. And it's like, no, no, no. You wouldn't shoot your child six times, period. So don't put yourself in this situation. This is a sick person. Yeah. You can't try to do uh, comparisons. It's just not possible. So people go, I mean, what mother would shoot their child six times? The alcohol must have did it. It's like, no. The alcohol might have fueled the initial confrontation, but where she took it to, that's on her. Yeah. She also drove a vehicle, too. She also so drove she a vehicle. Been, I don't think she was that drunk. She, I, but we don't, I don't know. We don't know, we don't know right? So. We, don't, we don't know. Yeah. And... I think it's crazy. This woman is free. Yeah. She King, should be King under is, the jail. King has since served her time and is current and currently lives in Philadelphia. That's nuts. That's absolutely insane. It's, uh, you know, third degree murder. Wow. 10 to 20 years in prison. 1993 wow. to, you know, 2013 maybe. And she's out. I've been drunk plenty of nights. I've never shot anybody. Um, I've rarely even gotten into a fight. You know, it, it has happened. But I never then got in the fight and it was like, you know what, man? Let's just squash this. Let's go to Wendy's. But yeah. in my mind, I'm like, I'm going to take them behind a building and murder them. Yeah. Like, that's that's intent. Like, she said, I'm going to go drive to the police station. And then she didn't. So she she coerced her into the car by saying, I'm kicking you out. And I'm taking you to the police station. Then she drove past the police station, drove her to a location where she intended to, I don't know, fight her. Yeah. But she had the gun as well. And then the fight escalated to her shooting her six times. So I don't really know how that's third degree. That seems so... The first fight, that's why I said what you said, if they got in a fight at the house and she shot her six times, maybe that's third degree. Or at least second degree. Like, you know, uh, you didn't plan it, it just was from a fight and yeah. it went out of hand. But the fact that it stopped, they had an argument, and then a, like a a, hit, a a huffy, like, get in the car, I'm taking you to the police station. And then they, so now the, the confrontation has stopped. They're driving in a car. Yeah. Then they go somewhere else and restart the confrontation, that feels like first degree. But, I don't know. Uh, Vivian King is free. Rest in peace to Shelly Turner, man. Yeah, rest um, in peace. She seemed like, again, like by all accounts from people, went to school with her, her friends, she she was really a bright star and somebody that had potential to really, uh, you know, go to the Olympics possibly. Maybe maybe place, maybe, you know, maybe not. It's a really hard dream to do, but she had all the intangibles to at least be on the on track, no pun intended, to go to the Olympic trials possibly someday. Yeah. You know? She was being recruited by Auburn and some other colleges. Like she was mm. a legit, she was a legit track star. And her mother killed her. Which is really sad. Um, yeah. Yeah, rest in peace to her. Um Rest in peace to Shelly Turner. The the guy, what was it, stepdad? 
the stepdad. He's yeah, got was, this. That was that. That part was kind of funny though. It was because yeah. he's like, "What the hell?" Yeah, it I was just a, have a jacket. A jacket. Yeah, yeah. He you just know? he was complete. He didn't know what the fuck was Not going at on. all. <laughs> he what is what. this? So wait, y'all brought me in here about a jacket. Why are you asking me about Shelly? Yeah, and he couldn't. He never put him. <laughs> that's the thing that makes me laugh is him never putting them together. Right. I thought y'all were in here for a jacket. <laughs> I told y'all I didn't steal the jacket. The jacket was at the house. Yeah. Why are y'all asking me about Shelly now? Y'all think I kidnapped somebody and stole a jacket? No, sir. The, Confused. The jacket, the jacket is why we're asking you about Shelly. Shelly don't own a jacket. This is a men's jacket. Yeah. Just furious. He don't even know what the fuck. Why would Shelly have a men's jacket? All right, sir. You can go. You were you were at work. We we we. we yeah, we know he. That, we know you ain't doing. Yeah, it. We, I, <laughs> we confirmed that you. Yeah, I know I was at work, and I would never steal. I have a job. I would never steal a jacket. Okay, sir. Have a nice. Thank you. You know, yeah. he was mad about that. <laughs> and then he went home and talked to that fucking um, brutal murderer yeah. about how the jacket, how he's mad about it. And she, know, she knows exactly where the jacket came yeah. from. Mm. And she probably lied to him. Yeah, I, I got it from a goodwill. And I just thought it would look good on you. I know, right? I think blaming <laughs> me about stealing the jacket. It's crazy. That's <laughs> funny, man. That, that was a little funny tidbit. Also, no disrespect to Mr. Man um, Frisbee, but... That name is wild. Shout out to him, though. Shout out to him. He was yeah. he was a victim's advocate, and he really stayed on these people, these reporters, and everything, and got people buzzing about it, and led to them really focusing in sooner than they may have if it would have just been left up to, you know, people stumbling upon the story at some point. So rest in peace to um to uh, Shelly Turner once again. Uh, what we're gonna do is we're gonna take a quick break, and when we come back, it's Fran's turn to tell you some fucked up shit. So stick around. Welcome back. My affirmative murder this week is. <clears throat> Mark James Robert Essex. That's a lot of things. Yeah. What are we going to call him? Mark Essex. Mark Essex. For short. So Mark James Robert Essex was born in Emporia, Kansas. He graduated from Emporia Senior High School in 1967 Mm -hmm. and attended Emporia State University, where he dropped out after one semester. Damn. Essex joined the United States Navy as a dental technician in 1969, stationed in San Diego, California where he claimed he was subjected to two years of racial abuse from whites. He went on an unauthorized absence from, from October 19th until November 16th, 1970. Like from his job? From the military. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yep. Uh, so he was given a general discharge for unsustain, unsus, unsuitability on February 10th Damn. in 1971 for the character and behavior disorders. After his discharge, he became involved with black radicals in South, I'm sorry, in San Francisco, California, and later joined the New York Black Panthers. Mm. By late 1972, he was living in New Orleans, Louisiana, but did not join a local chapter of the Panthers. He trained in vending machine repair. In November 1972, he was um, disturbed and outraged by the harsh response of Baton Rouge, Cali- I mean Baton Rouge, Louisiana, police um, to student civil rights demonstrations of sub- of Southern University, um, which is a historical black university, mm-hmm. which resulted in the death of two black students shot by police. Mm-hmm. At age twenty three and living in New Orleans, Essex began targeting white policemen for death, oh. as he intended to retaliate for police brutality against African-Americans and the discrimination he encountered in the Navy. On New Year's Eve, 1972, Essex parked his car and walked along um, Perdido Street, a block from the New Orleans Police Department. 
he hid in a parking lot across from the busy central backup. I mean, busy central lockup and fatally shot 19-year-old cadet Alfred Harrell. He was he was also wounded. He also wounded Lieutenant Harris Perez in the attack. Harold was black. Before beginning his attacks, Essex had earlier claimed he was going to kill just honkies. Yeah. He used a five-shot Ruger Model 44, uh, which is a 44 caliber semi-automatic um, carbine. So his first victim was black. A black police officer? A black police officer, yeah. Um, and then he wounded a, a lieutenant also in that attack. Right, right. Named Lopez, right? Yeah. Yep. So Essex ev- um, evaded capture by jumping a chain link fence and running across I-10 while setting off firecrackers as a as a diversion. He ran into Jert Town and um, Jert Town, which is an area known for high crime and hostility towards police. Mm. There he broke into a um, into the Burkhart building, a warehouse and manufacturing plant on the corner of um, Infrozen and South um, Gyaso. He set off an alarm that alerted police to um, to this break in, and a canine unit led by officers officers Edwin Hosley Senior and and Harold Blabbert responded to the call, but they did not realize it was connected to the attack on Central Lockup. As Officer Hos- Hosley began to get his German Shepherd out of the car's back back seat, Ex- Essex shot him in the back. Essex started shooting the car, um, shattering the windshield. Officer Blabbert reached the radio from the front seat and called for backup. Mm. Blabbert fired four shots at the spot where he saw um, muzzle flashes from Essex's rifle. Then he pulled his partner into the front seat and waited for backup. When the backup arrived, they sent two dogs into the building for to search for Essex, but he had already escaped. Mm. Officer Hosley died in um, of his injuries on March 5th, 1973. So this is all in one night? Yeah. But the dude uh, died a couple of days later uh, from gunshot wound. But this is all from the same the, the encounter this is all where, the he same killed, day. Yeah, where he yeah. killed the first police officer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got it. Wow. Um, so at 10.15 a.m. on January 7th, 1973, Essex shot a local grocer named Joe Pensiaro with his 44 Magnum, his 44 Magnum gun. He carjacked Marvin Albert as he sat in his 1968 Chevrolet Chevelle outside his house on South White Street. Essex drove... Essex drove Albert's stolen vehicle to the downtown Howard Johnson's hotel at 330 Loyola Avenue in New Orleans, Central Business District, across the street from City Hall and New Orleans Parish Civil District Court. He parked and climbed the stairs from the garage, but found that the fire, the fire doors were locked on each floor. Mm. Gaining entry from a uh, fire uh, stairwell on the 18th and top floor, Essex started, startled three African-American employees of that hotel. Essex said to one of them, um, one of one of them, a chambermaid, don't worry, sister, we're only shooting whites today. Jeez. Yeah. The employees quickly notify authorities. In the hallway by room 1829, Essex encountered Dr. Rupert Stiegel and his wife, Betty, a couple from Virginia on a honeymoon, and forced them into their room. After a struggle with Dr. Stiegel, Essex fatally shot him in the chest and shot Betty in the back of her head. Oh, my God. The Steagles both died from their injuries in their room. He soaked telephone books with a um, with lighter fluid and set them ablaze under the curtains. Essex dropped a pan-African flag onto the floor beside the bodies of the couples as he left. Oh, Joe, so this really, that's like setting up for a race war. Oh, yeah. 
Um, so on the 11th floor, Essex shot his way into several rooms and set more fires. There, he also shot and killed Frank Schneider, the hotel's assistant manager, and fatally shot Walter Collins, the hotel's general manager. Collins died in the hospital three weeks later as a result of his gunshot wounds. So he was just in that hotel letting... Massacring everybody. Let, letting it, now, this letting started it off as a plot to kill police officers, right? Yeah. And so he, then he just started just killing anybody that was... Well, white. I think the rest of the people were white. I That's think, what I'm, I'm saying, like... It was initially supposed to be yeah. white police officers. Yeah. And then he just started killing anybody that was white in this hotel. And then he just started going to places where he can get in and then started climbing fire uh, staircases and stuff like that and shooting Jeez. his way through windows and opening doors. And yeah. Jesus. Uh, so the police, the police and fire department quickly arrived. Two officers tried to use a fire, tried to use a fire truck's ladder to enter the building, but were shot, but were shot at by Essex who had returned to the 18th floor. A few minutes later, Essex shot and killed New Orleans Police Department Officer Phillips Coleman um, and Paul Paul Perzio on the ground. So he was shooting down from out of the hotel. Um, so a photographer um, named Arnold named Arnold took an iconic photo as Coleman died of a head wound in Duncan Plaza. Now, when you go to um, Murderpedia, they got uh, they got the photos mm. of like the whole crime scene and whatnot. And yeah. The people that was wounded and stuff like that. It's, it's, it's pretty crazy. Um, so yeah, so he had the photographer who took iconic photos of Coleman, um, as Coleman died of a head wound in Duncan Plaza. Arnold also captured a shot of wounded eighth district New Orleans police department officer, Ken Silas shot in the shoulder and leaning against the tree as another officer, Dave McCann was trying to stop the bleeding. Mm. I saw that they got that photo on there also. All while other police and bystanders took cover. Essex fatally shot Deputy Superintendent Louis Sergio Serg- Serg- in the spine as he tried to rescue um, trap officers. Mm. Lieutenant Louis Townsend, a Tulane University medical student, walked into the open fire, walk, sorry, walked into the open field carrying Sergio out of the line of fire and then returned to class. Seeing TV coverage of Lieutenant Colonel who became later uh, Lieutenant General Charles H. Pittman, a pilot in the United States Marine Corps, without obtaining prior clearance, took off in a CH-46 military helicopter to assist police officers. Now, the, that big-ass helicopter is the one, is the military one that's long, and it got the, the propellers in the front and the propellers in the back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they use that little string to drop off. Mm-hmm. Um, they use that to hover over the the hotel where Essex, where Essex was. Jeez. Yeah. Well, I mean, he was probably I guess causing they so much chaos. They yeah, didn't know I guess, how many people. Yeah, were and there. I guess they couldn't. Well, I was thinking they'd use that because they couldn't use a helicopter because it's probably easier for him to shoot at a helicopter and to damage it more than this military. Yeah, it's got a little bit more aircraft. reinforcement on yeah. it or something. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So they used the CH forty six military helicopter to assist police officers. Pittman landed the helicopter near the hotel, taking on armed officers. Now imagine that big ass thing in this. In New Orleans, it's not a big city Louisiana type wherever, of yeah. area. That that is that would be wild. It's, it's like war. <laughs> yeah. Uh, then it's like the buildings on fire, right? You know, and it's not. It's a hotel, so it's not really that tall. Yeah. It's not that tall. Uh, so Pittman landed a helicopter near the hotel, taking on armed officers, and flew over the hotel. By this time, Essex had retreated to the roof of the um, of the building, from where he had where he and men in the helicopter exchanged many rounds over many hours. As nightfall came, Essex found cover in a concrete um, cubicle on the southeast side of the roof. As he stepped out in the open fire again in the hel- on the helicopter, 
after hitting the helicopter's transmission. When I read that part, I was like, did he shoot this fucking helicopter? helicopter down? <laughs> that didn't happen. You said he had just like a pistol, right? He had like a 44 Magnum. I guess it's like a pistol, yeah. Some sort. Um, so well, 44 S- Magnum is like the gun. No, that's 357 Magnum. I don't know what a 44 Magnum is. It's I not a revolver, though, right? A 357 Magnum is, is a, revolver. a revolver. So him shooting cl- planes and shit out of the sky is crazy to me. I mean, helicopters. Yeah, yeah. I thought he shot this shit down from. I was like, what? But that's not what happened. Essex was fatally shot numerous times by police and sharpshooters positioned on the roof of um, adjacent buildings, as well as the automatic weapons aboard the helicopter. Yeah, so they lit him the they fuck up. They lit. They obliterated this dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lit him the fuck up. Chopped him up. How many think? How many times you think he got shot? Oh, infinity. I don't. You guys, I can't even put a number to it. He got shot two hundred times? times. Yeah. They have photos. I wouldn't suggest anybody look at those photos. Yeah. It was chopped him the fuck. Oh up. my goodness, man. Helicopter guns and all. Yeah, no, they they chopped him up. And helicopters, they got the guns with the bullets are like mm-hmm. the size of your hand. Yeah. Bullet looks like a baguette. Yeah. Um. So Essex was found to have shot. Essex was found to have shot a total of twenty-two people, nine of whom died. He shot ten police policemen, five of five of whom died. Mm. Essex's body, um, Essex's body was returned to Emporia, Kansas. Uh, footage of the incident appeared in the film Days of Fury, nineteen seventy-nine, directed by Fred um, Warshawski and hosted by Vincent Price. Footage of the incident was also appeared in a documentary, um, The Killing of America, 1981, which is available on YouTube. Um, that was a pretty short story this week, but that was my story of uh, Mark Essex. Now, I wasn't even planning on doing this story. I was planning to do another story, but the other story I had in mind I'll do next week was long, and I wasn't finished putting it together the way I wanted to. Yeah, well, let me, that's a, it's funny you brought up <laughs> um, the story that I, I didn't do... I've been um, studying, or I just found out about this guy named Billy Chamirmir, hmm. and it's a long, it's a longer story than I was ready to really dive into this week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm gonna do that next week. That's yeah, the one I'm gonna do is sure gonna... it's not that that name. No, 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 no. no okay, no. cool. Mine is the um, Micah Xavier, which I brought up in my the rap guard. Uh, okay, Corey Muhammad Got case it. Got that it. was going on at the same time. So I'm doing his story. I just wasn't, I wasn't finished with that one. Okay, I like that one because that robot shit was wild. But yeah. <laughs> I just wanted to. Um, Get that right first before I get to that. So I just thought I'd do this one. I haven't heard of this one either. Okay. So I was like, it's way more cases than I thought about these people. Some of them have been in the military, which is crazy. Yeah. Going after these white um, officers and whatnot. Similar to the one you're talking about doing next week. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. 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 So, um, yeah, man, the, the, the violence of uh, black people being killed by, unarmed black people being killed by police, it's just like, it hasn't, this is, it's nothing. Nothing, nothing new. new. Nothing no, new. No, no, no. It's just now it's just being blown up. But before it's like this is at this been happening. Happening at local levels. Yeah. People. There's all kind of stories. You know, from state to state, little cities. Oh, this guy. Yeah, he was killed in 1943 by the police. And all yeah. That. So you know, I I think the advent of body cams and all that kind of stuff was a great idea. I wish that they didn't have the ability to turn them off and dictate, you know, all that kind of stuff. But I get the turn off part. For some, for you like using the bathroom or something, I get that. Yeah, but I'm saying uh, if th- they should be set up to where they cut on in action, you know, I'm, I, I I understand what you're saying. I, yeah. I don't really, and I really don't know how they work. Maybe they're right, always right. maybe they're always on a little bit, and I don't know. But I'm just saying, you know, they can absolutely go. Oh shit! Uh, 
I, st- I hit it fact, by accident or something like yeah, that. Yeah, and, and as a matter of fact, in the incident of the Gun Trace Task Force, which I always tell people to go look up for here, you know, for why I think that, you know, um, police relations in this city will forever be just never go back to the way they are after after the Freddie Gray. Th- I don't even know what, what word it was, but at a point in my life when I was a kid, PAL centers were a little more functional and police officers really felt like people who were from the community that they like my mom knew a couple of police officers my my godfather is a police officer yeah. it's like they were people from where you grow up right you know and um now it's become completely like us and them and then the situation like Freddie Gray happens and then all this information comes out about this dr- gun trace task force and then that story about that police officers quote unquote, I don't know if they officially have ruled it a suicide, but that cop that they say he was on duty and he killed himself and he was supposed to testify against these police officers a couple days uh, uh, before he ended up killing himself. All of that confusion and conspiracy and everything, I think has completely ruined police relations in Baltimore. Yeah. I don't know how they come to some kind of resolution with that. But my point is that you hear about um, stories like this and uh, these these cameras with the gun trace task force, they would cut the cameras off, get the story right. Like they, they broke into a drug dealer's house or a guy that they suspect of being a drug dealer. They go in the house without a warrant, find the safe mm-hmm. and then cut the cameras off. Boom. Okay, cool. So when the cameras cut back on, we're going to say, Oh my God, Sarge, we found $5,000, but it's $20,000 in the thing. Well, it should be, a, well, it should, they got mics on the mic. Shouldn't be able to cut off. Either that way, would be, that would be a good idea. Sure. But I don't know how any of this works. Maybe the, I don't know. Maybe yeah, that's yeah. how they got caught. But my point is they cut the cameras off, do the dirt and then cut the cameras on and do a whole dinner theater play. Yeah. All right, guys. Whoa, money. Everybody get out. Nobody touch anything. They didn't already put the money in their pockets. Yeah. We found five grand. I want to make sure when everybody gets here and the detectives and the investigators get here, it's still five grand sitting here. So everybody go outside, you know? So that's the kind of shit we experienced when that all that shit broke out in, here in Baltimore. Yeah, and I'm not saying that's cast a shadow or uh, of doubt on all police officers, but just stories like that, it's hard to come back from. You know, it's hard to to have trust again when stories like that happen. So I don't know um, what happens in Baltimore, but you hear a story like this where these dudes go out being a police officer is hands down. I, I can't name three other hard jobs to do, right? So I have I I try not to just disparage and, and, and shit on police where I can. That yeah. doesn't but shitting on it holding somebody accountable and, and talking about ways that the job might be perceived as being done wrong isn't shouldn't be considered shitting on. Mm-hmm. You know? And I think that's where the misconstrue the misconstruing happens is like, you don't do the job, so who are you to try to tell them? It's like, okay, well, if I can't critique your job and try to recommend ways for the job to possibly be done better, then um, that's, this feels kind of authoritarian. It feels like you just make the rules and we're supposed to follow and there's no police. I mean, there's no co- community effort involved in you policing the community. I feel like that's how most of them look at it now anyway. Yeah, well, it became a us and them kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, I think that there needs to be some kind of reconciliation or something for there to be any... It needs to feel like more of a collaborative effort. And maybe... Um, because we're just civilians, we have no idea what it's like to be a police officer. So we can't. Of course not. So they don't. They aren't trying to hear us be like, maybe you should shoot him in the leg and all that kind of stuff. Maybe that's how we sound to them. But it's just like we're trying to come up with some kind of solutions to solve some of these problems that we we see at, at, that they people may see as a community, you know. But um, I don't know. Man, it's all a big mess. And then you tell a story like this, and I'm like, Jesus Christ! Imagine going to a call and you know, like, oh, the guy's busting shots out of the window. Yeah. 
you know. Imagine what your adrenaline is doing. Your hands are shaking. How does it feel to see your coworker that you you know you know his family die in front of you? You yeah. got to go home at at the end of the night and like go go to sleep. Yeah, you know. So I don't know what this. I mean, we came on here many times and was like, came up, said that we know we're not going to pretend like we know how to to do the job of a police officer because we don't at all. We don't know. We don't know what. Go, but we, but we do. I think we both agree on this that you can't. I don't think you. Yeah, you're gonna be scared. I, it's, that's just that's just human. But you can't ha- be doing that job in fear. I feel like. Yeah. That's at what least, you sign up le- for. At least, at least the there's levels of fear. If you can't overcome, if you can't put fear aside, which is what a lot of military training is supposed to do. Yeah. It's supposed to teach you to keep your cool. Yeah. So you in, can think in, straight in stressful situations, yeah. right? So if we're giving these people bulletproof vests and these armor-plated trucks and shotguns and all this kind of stuff, we should give them more training so that we weed out the people who are weak. Yeah, people are there. Are, there are weak people, weak-minded, weak in, in in physicality, whatever. I feel like in today's time, the population keeps growing. Mental health is at an all-time high. You know, like you know, I, I read a statistic that said like you know, fifty-five percent of police interactions involve somebody with some kind of mental health issue. Right. Why? Because so, they're not getting help they need. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So that's a whole. It's, it's such a structural problem that we can yeah. never solve on this fucking rinky dink podcast. But I just want to get this thought out. Right. If those are the kind of situation, you know, overpop, you know, it's not overpopulation, but the population keeps increasing. There's more people to look after. There's a ton of people who aren't getting the mental health that they need. And any phone call to a police officer could lead in danger, domestic violence, uh, a guy walking around on the street. Any of these, any of these phone calls could potentially be dangerous for a police officer. So the training should be as strenuous and arduous and difficult as possible so that you weed out all of the weak links that you can. Because some people, even the best, I I served three years in the military. Now I came back here and I became a police officer. That guy could accidentally kill somebody. Those people could make a mistake. The top police in any district could make a mistake. But when you see these videos, stuff goes viral. You see all these crazy things, right? But they happen. These incidences happen and they're terrible and they're tragic, right? Mm. When you see a, a police officer shaking or not being able to control a situation or trying to mad dog people and be, you know, be overly, con- not de-escalate. When you see that, you go, that guy should never have been a police officer in yeah. the first place. But that's me. That's how I figured if I was to join the police force, that's how I would be. For sure. Like, but you know what would keep me calm now or would try to keep me in one piece would be my bulletproof vest and my gun. I'm like, I would think, oh, I got this. This uh, is the only thing I could, that, that could, I feel like that would be able to protect me of whatever danger I'm about to go into. Sure. And I feel like that plays a part. And that's, and I feel like that when we go, oh, why you shoot him in the leg or something like that? Like yeah. if you get a call, oh, is there's, there's a gun, there's a gunfight. Yeah. Oh, I'm scared of shit now. This gun is the only thing I have to protect me. Yeah, for sure. And then you're not, you're not, you're not thinking straight. Yeah. You're not thinking of coming up with a, a strategic plan to, Dissolve the situation, whatever situation you're going in. Yeah, but I feel like that may have a play play a part in it. Yeah. So there's uh, um, thoughts from two dudes who have never done any policing but or anything like that. Exactly. But, yeah. You know, I don't. I don't know. I pay taxes and I can talk about whatever I want. That's true. So that's kind of my, sta- my that's kind of my stance on things. Uh, what we're gonna do is we're gonna get into these good vibes, man, because the election's right around the corner, and Ooh. you know shit's gonna get, you know, hopefully not. I was listening to an old episode and we were talking about when the Joker movie came out. Mm-hmm. And I had to send out a warning and all this kind of stuff to be like, hey, guys, listen, go watch the Joker. Have a good time. But last time a movie came out like this, Dark Knight, you know, there was a shooting at the movie theater and all this kind of stuff. So, hey, be safe. 
And I feel I feel the necessity to do that this week, which I will do once we finish the good vibes. But, you know, a lot of stuff happening this week. But anyway, let's get into these good vibes. Welcome to our Good Vibes segment. This is take two of Good Vibes segment. Yeah. You, you guys don't know what's, what what happened. You had some kind of fit, but yeah, I had like I felt like I wasn't I wasn't going to make it through the good vibe. That wasn't that wasn't good vibe. What happened? Yeah, just I was really terrible. <laughs> <laughs> but this is our good vibe segment. Again, welcome to the people, the new people that yep. uh, listen to the podcast. Now, this is uh, my favorite part of the show. Yes. Um, like I said, it is a palate cleaner, and um, we leave on a good note yes. with a good attitude. So my good vibe this week is: there's no arguing that the coronavirus pandemic has left the world reeling. But it's also taught us some invaluable lessons lessons about the nature of perseverance, the carrot, the carriage of conviction, and the gift of compassion. Absolutely. Now more than ever, people young, old, are being inspired to make a positive difference in their communities. Again, uh, I agree the, with all that. The younger generation, man, I, I, I applaud them. Yeah. Because I, I I think the kids are making it happen out here. We wasn't doing good vibes. When we were younger, no. But us doing it now, I feel like these kids right now is on a on a different level. Yeah. Um, I just I just they thinking totally different, and I, and I think it's awesome and it's good. It's gonna be good for the world in the future. Um, but like more than more than ever, young and old are being inspired to make a positive difference in their communities, and a few more dedicated to giving back than North Texas fifth grader, a fifth grader, wow. Orion Jean. This small but mighty public champion is on a mission. His goal. Donating a hundred thousand meals to mm. those in need by Thanksgiving. Yes, yes, yes. Get a man applause. And I think it's gonna be a lot more of these as um, Thanksgiving is yeah. coming upon us. Yeah. I'm yeah. asking everyone to join man, me. It's gonna be a rough Thanksgiving this year. Man. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm asking everyone to join me in a race to kindness. Gene told CNN. This has been a rough year for everybody, and now it's more important, more important than ever, to show support and love to anyone who needs it. Right now, people living everywhere from Tulsa, Oklahoma to Dallas, Texas, can go to a drop-off point and donate a packed meal containing a bottle of water, a piece of fruit, a tuna punch, what? A tuna pouch mm. or applesauce cup, a granola bar, and of course, a positive message. I love that. The food drive isn't Gene's first philanthropic venture. Last summer, he took first place he took first place in the Thank the Thank Kindness National Speech Contest. Mm. The question um, he noted in his winning entry is how kind how can kindness change a nation? It's mm. a great question. Yep. The uh, Chisholm Ridge Elementary Schooler um, schooler's answer spoke to a simple human truth that struck a um, sympathetic. Um, cord in the hearts of judges yeah the difficult situations impacting our world has shown us that kindness is more important now than ever before he said we've heard about the families hurting from the pandemic the community suffering injustice and the people being over virtual the, the and the people being over virtual learning mm. we could really use a big hug right now and that's just it kindness is like spreading hugs around the world to those who need it and those who might not even know they need it. This is the kid saying all this. This is the kid, a fifth grader. Kids saying have all a way though. of just simplifying things. Yes, you know, the acts, the acts, um, could be something small, but in the end, make a, a big difference to the person receiving it. 
Gene used five hundred his five hundred dollars uh, first prize award to organize a follow up project, mm. the race to five hundred toys drive. After collecting hundreds of donations, the toys were dis- distributed to um, grateful um, hospitalized kids in Dallas area, but that was only the beginning. Wow, five hundred dollars, man! At, at, at sixth grade, then just turn it right back around and reinvest it into doing more kindness. Something I wouldn't do. At Something all. I wouldn't have done. You know, you know how much of a kitted out what? Xbox you could buy with five hundred dollars. You could buy all the games, two controllers, <laughs> you know, a couple of, uh, you know, a couple of like accessories, like a headset, yeah. buy pizzas and shit, all kinds oh, of man. takeout you, food. You, you could have a whole pizza game night, video, new video game night party at your house with yeah. several friends. Um, so first, his current um, humanitarian outgoing, I mean, outing Gene has and injected his. It's better to give than receive um, philosophy. With some true, everything's bigger in Texas attitude. So far, he collected over 4,000 mail donations in the race to 100,000 mails. Mm. Gene has taken on the uh, mantle of role model with equal um, equal fervor. Turning on his 100,000 watt positive energy, he's putting out a call to welcome everyone who wants to become part of his um, personal crusade to spread compassion around the world, hoping they'll join him in a race to kindness. Wow. I mean, this is this is this is this is next level right here. So, yeah, so he got the bag. He got like a paper bag. Put all the snacks in, and on the bag it got, you got this in different colors. Each letter is different color. I love that. You got this. I love that. Um, it's a beautiful message. Yeah, he got a picture. Get somebody just get somebody through the day, you know. Yeah. Um, he got some bags got different notes on them. Trying to zoom in a little bit. One of them got we care. Another one has um. See, we need you. Mm. Um, another one says, uh, you are special. And he just standing in front of with his hands crossed, yeah. looking like a boss, yeah. smiling, just happy. Sending vibes out. Just sending good vibes out. And I I, I think that's that's awesome, man. That's I just, I wish, sometimes people, people I wish. to hear that. You know? Sometimes I wish I was in that type of mindset when I was at a younger age. Yeah, I'm telling you, man, it's, the, it's just the tools that are available to these kids yeah, now. True. You know, it, you, All you got to do is see one kid do this and you go, oh, that's something you can do? I always wonder why. You know, when I see homeless people on the side of the road, that makes me sad. Yeah. But I want to do something about that now. And I just saw this other video about this other kid yeah. who's 11 who did something. And, yeah. and then so that's that sparks the energy in you. When we were kids, it just... Yeah, I mean, read, I, you had I hung around... You newspaper to know about this. Yeah, things. I hung around you uh, 90% of the time. Uh-huh. So, I, I mean, me and you were just like, sure we, were, we were lazy. So yeah, that I, wasn't going to happen I from us. I wasn't doing any of this. I, yeah. I, I've quit. <laughs> I've quit so many things in my life. I quit a soccer team because I just didn't want to play soccer anymore. Yeah. And then you got me to get on a basketball team, and I quit that team because I thought they somebody stole, stole my hoodie, hoodie out of practice. Yeah. And it turns out I just grabbed the wrong hoodie. Yep. I had a hoodie yeah. in my bag. I grabbed the wrong hoodie. You was furious, man. I, I was. I just that. was uh, the audacity that that place. What kind of what kind of trash establishment is that? That people steal your hoodies when you're practicing. Yeah, man. You no, bashed no. that place. That was a boys and girls club, by the way. Okay. Well, you bashed that place. Maybe they I, shouldn't. Maybe they should have better security at the Boys and Girls Club. But you just you took the you stole somebody's hoodie. <laughs> you ain't. I mean, I if, that's that you that look, if that's how you want to look, you stole somebody's it. hoodie. If that's how you want to, no, no, no. I accidentally swapped no, hoodies. You I'm, stole sure they, I'm sure they took my hoodie home too. That person probably left that place like, what a shitty establishment. Somebody steals my hoodie. And they were more. And they were, they, they were, were more justified than I was. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> um... <laughs> No, but I quit a lot of things, man. I quit. I quit PowerPoint. I had to took a PowerPoint class. Stopped going. I was like, this isn't. I'm not learning anything from this. 
So my yeah. whole point is, you weren't destined to, you know, get any kind of uh, yeah, po- positive uh, energy from your circle at the time, because <laughs> your circle was filled with quitters, man. <laughs> so maybe the other lesson to these kids is surround yourself with people that want to do stuff and, and inspire change in people. Because yeah. when you hang around people like me that, at ten, all you're gonna do is eat Rice Krispie treats and quit. Yeah. Uh, but my good vibe story this week uh, really. Is, is nothing to read I'm just gonna play an amazing video okay that has taken the internet by storm it's personally my second favorite video I've seen this year that guy dog face riding that skateboard and drinking that cranberry juice is just something about it it's another still, one no it's oh. this kid let me go ahead and just go ahead and cue this up yeah we tell everybody what they can be when they grow up they can be anything you ready yes let's go you can be an A you can be an architect catch a building to kiss the sky you can be a B, you can be a biochemist, make medicine and save lives. You can be a C, computer or software developer, or programs and systems and files. You can be a D, you can be a dentist, cause everybody loves to smile. You can be an E, you can be an engineer, solve problems of all kinds. Chemical, mechanical, electrical, use the power of your mind. You can be an F, you can be a firefighter, fight fires in red trucks. You can be a G, gastroenterologist, do problems in the gut. You can be an H, hospital administrator, hospitals need leaders. You can be an I, intelligence officer. You can be all kinds of people. You can be a J, you can be a judge, help people who seek justice. You can be a K, kindergarten teacher. Those kids are young and restless. You can be an L, you can be a lawyer. Listen to me. After watching it again, that probably might be my favorite video of, of 2020. Yeah, that was um, dope. You could you could tell his pops his pops his, his, his 80s, dad 90s. was oh my god yeah it was it was a real kind of style. Um, but the kid, if you really could hear what he's saying, when he gets to some letters, I'm like I'm an adult. Yeah, I don't I'm a full-grown adult. I would not have named that job. Yeah. He said Q aquatic something. A I don't quantum know. physicist. Oh, that's what he said. He said, gee, you could be a gastroenterologist. He yeah. said, you know, you could... It just the the ability that it took... This kid looks no older than five. Yeah. I love this dad was just supporting him, like, all get yeah. out in the background. This is this is called the You Can Be ABC song. You look it up. You Can Be ABCs. The memory, man. Yeah, it's incredible. Um, The kid's name is Sam. Uh, Sam. Yeah, his name is Sam. 
Yeah, you can look him up at R Samuel W three on Instagram. R S A M U E L W three on Instagram. Go follow him. Support this kid. Share the video. It's such a it's such a fun, cute, adorable video. And um, yeah, I want I want the world for the kid. I want him to be on Sesame Street. I want him to have another a series of YouTube videos where he makes other raps about other things you can do. Healthy foods, whatever. The kid has a memory like a goddamn elephant. And I want to see him, uh, you know, teaching to, you know, kids how to how to, you know, what they could be in life, what they should eat in life, what they whatever. Make little fun songs with your dad. I love the energy. It's so real they're like in their living room just having a good time i loved it and um that really put a smile on my face and i hope even just the audio put a smile on some people that were listening's face um now before we get out of here like i said before we started the good vibes uh the election is tuesday um i like to think i hope i hope it's where it's everything's being overblown but when you go out you vote be safe you know be safe all this week the lines are crazy crazy long Crazy long. They got poll watchers in some instances. You know, confrontations happen in some places. I haven't heard anything about any anything crazy, but I just feel need. I feel a need to just say it to people. Like, look, be safe. Hopefully, this is all blown out of proportion, and we as a nation, this will get past this moment and you know move into the next year on a good foot. But um, I just feel a need to to anybody listening to say, hey man, be safe. You know, be safe. Get home safe. Go out and vote. And, and get home safe and, and you know hope for change hope for peace hope for love hope for understanding and uh yeah i've been alvin williams joined as always by my partner and true crown friend so evans and we'll see you guys next week jesus Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Did you know a 2018 study showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual. When I was four months pregnant, I couldn't find a prenatal I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested for heavy metals, and recently earned the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. But don't just take my word for it. Get 25% off at ritual.com podcast.